0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. David Dacker, your host. Hello, Houston. All right. So today I... Well, in this episode... I have uh, Richard Knight, and he is going to be the chef over at Atlas Diner, uh, one of a handful of chefs that will be uh, in the food hall, Bravery Chef Hall, and uh, he will be providing you with his uh, culinary expertise uh, right there with counter service. Very unique. Uh, this completely changes the dynamic of dining um, and the experience that people have uh, at a restaurant and especially at counter service because you have the chef right there cooking for you um delivering the food in uh, in, in exactly the way that uh, they intended it to so i have a conversation with him about uh, where what how and why and um he's a funny guy uh great sense of humor and incredible amount of talent so uh let's have a listen all right, so I'm here today with uh, Richard Knight. He is a uh, chef uh, at atlas be. I talked about this a little bit uh, last week. Uh, I kind of fucked up a little. and <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> uh, We'll get to that in a second. But uh, very well-known Houston chef um, via Britain. Um, we'll have to uh, ask him and see wh- how that happened but it is a great pleasure to have him here uh i look forward to uh eating breakfast at atlas because it will be breakfast lunch and dinner and then there'll be late 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 night dinner that that uh, european dinner um reservations start at 11 p.m so (laughs) so chef um thank you for doing this first question how'd you get into the cooking how'd you get into these uh this crazy industry
1: well it's the old story i needed a job i was 14 and my mother was like you need to go get a job young man earn some money um so long story short there was some connection between a local uh restaurant and this was in the south of england a little town called chichester in west sussex um and they needed a dishwasher so i was like okay cool 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 Um, started that they didn't even have a machine at that point it was just like a just async i don't think they even had three compartments so so yeah it was like a little bistro place it was kind of fun a bit crazy it was really popular um and so suddenly you know all this crazy stuff was coming in front of me and blah blah blah. and the whole place was nuts and all the people were nuts but it seemed like a cool environment um and the sort of food sort of interested me you know and at that point in my my school career it was at that point when i was i don't know 14 15 or something where you had to make decisions of what you wanted to do and what you would want to do after school and college and stuff and so i was like okay this is kind of like this is kind of cool i might i think i might try this um and so i i took a course at college did a sort of hotel management catering um, that sort of thing uh, did some work experience in London throughout that which again I think really piqued my interest even more by what was going on up there and just being in London I just loved loved the feel of it um, and so literally when I finished college I was like all right I'm going to London you know with my little bag and my you know <laughs> um, off I went literally got a trade had a job we're um, in, a, in a hotel in, in Sloane Square, a very nice part of London. What, how old were you? Uh, by that time, I suppose was, I was like 17, 18, something like that. But I was just like, I was just like okay, I'm just going to go do this thing. And I just sort of did it. And lucky enough, this hotel actually had a sort of halls of residence, strangely. And so they had, you know, they had somewhere to stay as well. That was a bit scary. That was another story. But... Um, But so I got this job next day, I came back, got my stuff and moved to London, um, where I met, you know, in the whole story of getting from obviously there to here, um, is my, I met my ex-wife there, she was American, and, uh, you know, we weren't together for a while, but eventually a few years later we we got together, um, and her father used to work for NASA, and put people on the moon and all that good stuff. So uh, that's how I got to Houston. And uh, we did a little stint in California, but couldn't afford that, you know. So we t- came back to here to uh, be with our family, uh, which was awesome. And um, I, you know, by that time we'd had uh, two children, two young girls, Katrina and Isabella. And I decided I want to, you know, be a stay at home dad for a while. So that's what I did from, you know, for about four or five years. And then got into corporate work which was great because then i could like do home stuff and i could do uh right. restaurant work so i could i was home at weekends and evenings so i worked for campus group did eight years of that doing crazy stuff running around doing their fancy stuff and their events and their training and stuff um and then sort of wanted to take the plunge to sort of do my own thing open my own restaurant and my my chef partner at feast um which came a couple of restaurants later came over um, and got married to an American lady also in here in Houston. And uh, we got an opportunity to open our first restaurant, um, which was in the lovely, lovely, lovely place of Conroe. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) uh, Yes, the Taverna. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Taverna Winery, which was hilarious because it wasn't actually a winery at all. Uh, But we got on with some rather dubious partners that we found out uh, fairly, fairly quickly. Um, and we did that for a while and, you know, he'd, he'd worked, he'd worked more, a bit of front of house and not really a trained chef, but he was very interested in it. When he was in London, he worked for um, St. John's, and Fergus Henderson, etc., um, who's really, you know, the, the forefather of the nose and tail resurgence, you know, way back when. And, you know, he got really interested in the old school stuff, you know, the the whole animal stuff and the pig noses, ears and hearts and everything else. And I sort of got the more classic training of being a chef chef. And so, you know, we did this first little restaurant and it was um it was cool, we're doing some obvious stuff, but then some stranger stuff. And the big break we actually got was literally we some local farmer gave us a goat and we were like Okay, let's do lots of things with this goat. <laughs> so we had a goat menu in Conroe, <laughs> uh, which you know went fairly well. Uh, but lucky enough, like Alison Cook from the Houston Chronicle, great, great friend of ours, great lady, um, who we didn't know at the time, didn't know anything about, didn't know what she looked like. She happened to be like see us see it on media something that we had a goat menu, and she's like, I gotta check this out, and so. Alison snuck in and um, you know there was this you know she's an older lady you know grey hair and you know and there was this, this little lady who came in and had like five courses of goat on her own and we're just like what the fuck's going on here yeah. <laughs> you know it's like who is this woman and we were just like oh you know yeah, ha 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 whatever and then literally we got contacted from the Chronicle a couple of weeks later saying they wanted to do an article on us and we're like okay and then we got nominated for the second best new restaurant in Houston under uh, Brian Caswell who got the first place obviously opening Reef this was like 2007-ish um, and yeah, Alison Cook had snuck in and then she nominated us for this thing and we weren't even Houston <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, everyone's like oh, and so yeah, we got this massive ride up the Goat Menu in Conroe Goat Menu in Conroe and Alison Cook just happened to be like I don't know, whizzing by or something. So that's kind of we did that, and then we found out our partners, because we were sub lessees from those, were um, a little bit dubious. Um, and luckily, we had only signed a yearly, a yearly lease, which you know we didn't know how lucky we were at the time. Um, so we were like, as soon as it got near the end, and things got really sticky with our ex-partners, we were just like, "All right, we're out of here!" Boom, out, we're gone. And by that time, we'd been looking for places in Houston um and lucky enough just i think we were looking at the old pig stand place down on washington yeah. and I happened to be this little sticker from um a, a broker in the window because we were looking at and we were like oh this would be so cool we love the pigs we're gonna do that sort of thing um but it was and we phoned the number and he's like well no sorry you know the pig stand's gone um but i do have this other place and he was an english guy kevin keen um who later became a good friend um and he took us to the place on um on down there at the end of you know Elgin Westheimer down there where Feast became and took us into this old rickety old house you know like wooden floor balls and fireplaces and stained glass windows and you know I said to my partner it's like you know since I worked in London I was like that's what I wanted I wanted a little old house to do a restaurant in and there we were boom we walked into it and it was Chez Georges at the time it was a fancy French restaurant oh, yeah, yeah and um and so we wanted to be you know much more rustic and stuff like that and so we negotiated this you know probably more hastily than we should have leased for you know a five-year-ish lease um and you know it was probably paying way too much money we found out later but it was just the perfect place for us um we made our own tables and we would you know we had wine glasses which were like tumblers so it was a real sort of continental and like you know we go to France you get tumblers you know you get the fancy stuff but it's a bit more relaxed and down and dirty and then we were able to do the menu we wanted so do you know some normal stuff but a lot more of the sort of offals so we only did whole animals essentially and um, we got all our fish from a local uh, guy called PJ Stoops who's about the most Um, knowledgeable person in this city about um, seafood and gulf seafood Um, he had his own little business to go in there for a while and he used to come around to uh, you know all the restaurants in town us and um, catalan where chris shepherd was before and although everybody used him and the thing is like he did he did snapper and he did group and all that stuff but he also had bycatch and we took the bycatch so we're getting all these crazy fish that you know people here sort of thought were like trash fish or bait fish you know but they were perfectly good fish you know we had little grunts and we had squirrel fish and big eyes and eels and all sorts of crazy shit um but again we were and half the time we were roasting them whole and just serving them simply um and we decided you know very shortly after we opened we were like okay well let's draw a line in the sand let's only do happy animals, so only animals where we know where they come from, we know what they eat, we know they're running around in a field, um, in the sunshine, no processed stuff, no factory farms, anything, anything, even down to fat, even down to everything. So we drew that line in the sand, which was, which was awesome, and I say the fish thing, trying to you know get as much local produce as well, and, and you know, and it, for a lot of people, the term, you know, farmer's table has been very over abused and yeah. you know, all that good stuff um, but so, but we were actually, you know living it, you know um, and we did lots of fun crazy stuff and our menu was a little cheeky, you know, a little English silly, you know, sexual innuendo humour, you know, schoolboy humour I suppose, um, and so we did lots of crazy stuff um, you know, pig's ear cakes and like whole ducks and um you know stuffed trotters and i mean y- you name it we we, we did it <laughs> um uh, so that was yeah my days up until feast um we had a lot of fun got a lot of notoriety i should be <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right so you touched a little bit on on something i'm um, we'll talk about in a, in a minute which is the uh your relationship with the farmers um but first wow okay so would you say that it it was that line in the sand that you drew um that made feast special that that was the the what is it about this place type of thing and is that also what uh led you to be nominated in the Jane beard uh, uh awards
1: i think the whole feast thing was a lot of different things um we it was it was an experience it was some weird like experience when you walked in the door this little old house and we played like fun, funky music from like you know 1920 something and it was you know the tables were rustic and the lights were low and it was just like a we wanted what we really wanted to do and i think we pretty much accomplished it was like i want it to be like walking into somebody's house. That you knew a family member or a friend, and being welcomed like that, and having a good meal, and sitting down, and drinking too much wine, and eating too much food, <laughs> having a fun, having a laugh, and break, you know, breaking bread with people. Uh, and I think, you know, and yes, we did very unusual food, and there's a lot of reasons I think that we got the James Beard, a eh? because I think, you know, we deserved it. We did a great job, and we did something lots of fun, interesting, and tasty things. I mean, the thing is so many people especially you know a few years ago in the days of tweezers and foams people got so caught up in what it looked like not what it actually tasted like and yes there are some great versions of that sort of food uh, admittedly but a lot of people you know didn't do it very well and you know and and that sort of food doesn't doesn't speak to me I, I, you know, I, I want that food to make love to me. I want, I, I, I want, I want, and I want to love that food. I want it to be a soul thing. I don't want it to be a molecular thing. I don't want it to be a completely chemical thing. I want it, you know, it, to speak to my heart, and that's what I f- want my food experience to be in going to a restaurant. Uh, and I think, you know, yes, we did very crazy, unusual stuff at Feast, but the whole package was just very, very different, and it was just this sort of magical, slightly strange, funky sort of. Experience when people came in, and we had you know fun English desserts, and we had the whole. We had a really great wine list, which was compiled by James, which um, was short but really amazing and reasonably priced. You know, we were known for that, and our food prices were you know really reasonable. Um, and yes, we did get a lot of national notoriety and magazines, and to say we luckily got. Um, Nominated for a couple of James Beard awards. Sadly, we didn't go to the finals or anything. But, um, you know, um, I think it was the whole package. And, you know, we we were this. And I think that's what the New York guys and, you know, the judges and stuff were just like, what the hell is this place in Houston right now? You know, we were such a, nobody was doing anything weird at all. I mean, Chris Shepard touching on very slightly on a couple of things. But we were doing very unusual stuff. And it was really... a a really cool experience for us because we got to change people's opinion about food so they came in and they were like and we're like can you try it you don't have to eat it if you don't like it you won't pay for it just try it we're not we're not putting things on the menu for circus you know thing here or you know just because we can and it's totally weird and whatever it's good food and it tastes good and we hopefully execute it well enough that you will really enjoy this and Next time when you think about it, you'd be like, Okay, I'll I'll have some tongue, you know, or I'll have some kidneys, or I'll have Brussels sprouts here <laughs> And we turned so many people onto Brussels sprouts as well as the weird meat things, but um, you know, feast was just I think it was just something very different and very magical and very you know, it was such a funky little little place doing slightly unusual things and people sort of took it at to heart and even now to this day we closed, I think in two thousand thirteen, I get you know i get recognized around town and you know or you know subjects come up and they talk about food and oh oh my god your feast guy oh my god i love that place oh i got i got engaged there or this happened there or oh my god what about this i mean like literally five times a week now and the place has
0: been closed for <laughs> many years but yeah it was a very cool old place so two questions from that uh one cheeky what do you guys mean by that <laughs> very british word and then two well answer me that one first because i want to get into two I,
1: I, I assume i can say more or less what i want on this <laughs> oh, okay. okay good that's what i need to know um you know cheeky humor naughty you know sexual innuendo things like uh we had some quite naughty ones and there's there's obvious ones like you know spotted dick you know uh which is just like a little steamed sponge pudding with raisins in and stuff um but you know it's funny that a lot of americans would just won't say the words they (laughs) won't even say the words so it was a running gag for us because they would like they bring out the dessert menu and they would point and then you would you were like oh yes i got this you're like you'd like the dick sir (laughs) you know it's like you would like the dick madam certainly and then when you serve it you're like you ordered the dick madam you know and just stuff like that and then we did you know we did crazy stuff like yeah most of them were with me i must admit um there's traditional english dish also called tongue and called toad in the hole uh which is just sausages in like a a batter (laughs) so so yeah (laughs) tongue in the hole I, i was like I'm going to do tongue in the hole. And so literally we cooked beef tongue and we took the tip off the first like four inches of the tip, put it in the middle, put the batter in, cooked it and so you got this thing with this big tongue sitting out in the middle of it. Uh, we did tongue in breasts. I mean literally so we, you know you got a, a lamb tongue and then you roll it in a pork belly and you braise it and you know all the lovely vegetables. Tongue in breasts and you know all just just crazy silly you know just like but and it's funny just you know watching the Americans like they either like and uh, oh, yes, a really naughty one I did actually at uh hunky dory my restaurant after feast for Valentine's. I did hair pie for two <laughs> <laughs> people still talk about that. They're like, Oh, I had your hair pie on Valentine's Day, and I'm like, Yeah, excellent. So, so, always has
0: sexual it uh,
1: it doesn't have to be sexual but just a bit, you know, a little bit naughty a little bit, you know to yeah, yeah, d'entendre yeah, some sort of that sort of fun stuff
0: so then my other question was whenever you talk about food, there's very very passionate and, and, and um, this, this sort of you express it in such a way that is what you would expect an artist to express um, about their their work and that's one of the things that I noticed from bartenders in the craft industry is that uh we take a pay cut so that way we can do these cool things and and have that program and that control of you know making everything fresh in-house coming up with crazy you know ingredients and uh and presenting it to people and so uh, it, the way that you expressed it came across as that and so would you say that that's kind of like that is that is your passion? This this is it. Like you found it and you found it at an early age.
1: Yes, I totally. I, I I you know as I said I fell into this thing because my mother made me get a job at the age of fourteen or whatever, and yeah I found my passion. I found my 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 thing, and you know on my days off at feast, well my day off should I say? We used to have one day off a week. I used to literally just live down the road from Bruds, so every Tuesday night, which was the day feast was closed. I'd take a stack of giant stack of books and a notepad, sit at Ruds, get really drunk, and just (laughs) go through recipe books and get really excited and go, oh my god if I did this I could take this and do this and oh my god I could do this. Just get really excited and then come back with a slew of things the next week and just do them. Um, That was one of the other things I still think about now when I tend to overthink things a little bit more now when we were in the days of feast. We just did things which is like oh yeah let's try that and off we went and uh, like yourself as a barman and you know you tend you after a while you learn what goes with what and what reacts to what and what if you do this to this this will happen and so you kind of know kind of where it's going to go um and then you know you tweak it at the end and go well okay needs a little bit of this needs a little bit of that up that down that and off it goes but yeah i was very lucky i i found my thing and some days I do look around when I'm stressed out about my job and, you know, that sort of thing. And then you look around at other people and perhaps this person's in a job that they really hate every day. And it's a repetitive factory job or it's something, you know, delivering things that, they you know, that they really hate. Or, you know, just, you know, I'm very lucky. You know, sounds like you and me in the same boat that we actually love and very passionate about what we do. And we're lucky enough to somebody to pay us to do
0: that (laughs) it's always a trick to get somebody to pay you for the things that you love to do um and so okay so i i i saw some of the uh names and uh for the atlas uh diner let's go get into that and so i may have chopped up that story a little bit so why don't you tell us about what the uh, atlas and secret garden is and then some of the things that are on the menu, not giving anything up, but I know that uh, you did get a little, it, it looks like a fun menu.
1: Yes, I. I you know, say I say I, I do like a little fun in the menu and a little cheekiness and a little playing with things and taking classic things. And that's what we did a lot at Feast also is like finding way, way, way old recipes from like literally hundreds of years ago in England or whatever, and then taking those and kind of running with them and making them into new new things. Um, and so that's what I kind of like to do is take sort of classics and sort of to put my little fun spin on them, um, tweak them or just take them in a little direction or a fun little things that make people think. But on the obviously, you know, that it tastes good too. Um, so, you know, when we started with Atlas, I sort of came on late on board to the gang down at Bravery. Um, and the owners and operators on Leanne and Shepard you know had this thing about oh well we sort of kept this diner thing we weren't quite sure what we wanted to do with it or who we wanted to do it with and you know suddenly I was talking to Shepard one day and he's like well come down and I was like I went down there and I'm like okay this is pretty crazy (laughs) this is I mean this whole Bravery Hall thing is so insane the equation is (laughs) really out there Um, uh, but I was like i like a challenge I think this is going to be really cool um, and so, you know, we, they had sort of the name Atlas that they were throwing around and I was just like, okay, I think that that's pretty cool. Um, and then literally, you know, I started thinking about it and doing some research and sort of, there's a few Atlas restaurants around and there's the obvious connotations, but um, I, you know, was, thought, yeah, the whole, you know, the Greek mythology gods thing would be very cool and the the guy holding the thing up and so I have a very talented uh, friend, uh, Brian Boiter who's a local artist um, does murals and all sorts of cool shit and I was just like okay, here's my kind of theme, what could you come up with? And he came up with a few different ideas and we finally came up with the, the Atlas logo um, which is really awesome, I'm really, really happy with it which is uh, all over our stuff um and then you know it was like wanted to do diner stuff obviously it was a diner we want to make it diner-ish um but i sort of took some you know diner classics and just sort of took them in a richard knight sort of direction um and so that's kind of where it's going to be and then you know with the menu even the menu design i found this other wonderful lead talented lady jade young um who does these kind of like crazy graphic things she does a lot for sort of um double trouble and is a really amazing artist and very very creative and i gave her my crazy ideas you know i just was like this is kind of what i'm thinking about you know mythical things and um and the whole thing with obviously atlas there's the 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 famous you know mythical story of like hercules who's you know wants the, the the magic golden apples and then they're in the garden and sort of atlas is kind of guard in the garden it's trying to be you know secret so people don't get the apples but Somehow Hercules uh, talks him into like getting the apples for him, and Atlas thinks this is a great idea at the time because he's been holding up the heavens for a few gazillion years, uh, because they lost the battle with the Titans and all that, so now then this is his penance, um, and so he's like, well, okay then, you know, sure, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna bamboozle this guy, go do this, and then I don't have to hold the heavens up anymore. So he goes and gets the apples, and but um, Hercules is a little bit cleverer than him, and he's like. Okay, I understand you don't want to you, know, you can take it back, but okay, I'll I'll keep on with this. But could you could you get like a pillow for me, um, so I, it, at least it could be a bit more comfortable? And Atlas is like, okay, sure. So Atlas is like, well, just hold that for a second while I put the pillow on, you know. And obviously, boom, then Atlas is. Uh, back with having the heavens and hercules is running off with his apples um so i sort of you know that was a fun great little idea and there's a, a, a like a hundred headed serpent monster who guards the garden obviously atlas you know could get by cuz he was atlas um and you know all these sort of fun mythical creatures and so they've sort of sort of wound up on the menu in various forms uh, whether they're pictures or you know fun little menu items um you know, and also, you know, I say the uh the, the local farmer thing's important to me too, so we've got a lot of thanks and praise to local farmers and trying to use a lot of um of their local stuff. Um like I am doing a really lovely play on a uh traditional traditional Greek style Greek salad. Uh but instead of using traditional feta, um which is obviously brine and is hard and ferociously salty, um, I'm using Blue Heron Farm, which is up in Walla, about uh, 40 minutes on the 290, up there. Um, great friends of ours, done many uh, events with those guys. They do like fresh feta, so they don't they don't brine it, and so it's this fresh, luscious, beautiful uh, thing. Um, so we're using that in our, and I'm calling it a Nubian Greek salad. <laughs> um, so it sounds a bit, you know, in that mythical d- direction also. but. Um, Essentially, the Nubians are the goats that she gets the milks from. So they have a big goat farm out there and they milk them every day and they sell um, chevre and yoghurt and um, feta. Uh, We're also using their chevre in our goat's cheese cheesecake, which is a wonderful recipe done by my wife. I'm just copying her recipe, but I'm putting her name on it just so I don't get in trouble, obviously. Um, So yeah, goat's cheese cheesecake. And so it has this really beautiful but subtle... Not funk, because you know everybody thinks, oh, goat it's really weird and it's funky, but it's really not. Um, so we're doing things like that. I have a, you know, other fun little sillinesses like fire ants on a log. <laughs> so I sort of lost my mind a little bit with this one, I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, the double traditional, you know, celery and it's, but I'm using like borsan cheese in there you know the, the, the french like very herby garlicky cheese to put in the celery and then marinating like little currants which are, like little baby raisins almost um in this ferociously spicy uh mixture of like worcestershire and fish sauce and jalapenos and chilies and it's quite ferocious and so obviously the you soak them overnight they suck it all up because they're a dried fruit and so they're going on the log and then we're having a little chilled grapes on the side fun things like that um you know again going back to like the the classic diner things they've got a few different types of um pancake on the menu we have um jamaican pancakes so it's like warm spices so you've got all the the ginger and the 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 uh, sort of uh cinnamon and the sort of the 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 sort of warm spices you get in the fall uh, allspice and things like that um and you know that so they're dark almost gingerbready type pancakes, molasses in there and topped with like creme fraiche and vanilla rice cream and toasted coconut and that's going to be served with some rum syrup obviously. Yeah. Um, I've got a masala dosa which is an Indian very thin very very, very thin um, pancake from India which is made from rice flour and um, lentil flour and basically it's so thin and crispy and you roll the thing up and it's a vegetarian dish with a really nice um, spicy masala, potatoes inside. And we're popping an egg in there just for good measure, you know, all that sort of fun stuff. We've got some Dakota pancakes. My daughter's called Dakota. She So she's helped me play with this recipe where we, you know, we grate um, apple and banana into the pancakes, which gives this really wonderful flavor. Golden apples. Oh, you golden apples. You see, you got golden apples. Now you're getting it, David. Now you're getting <laughs> it. Late menu, we're having a bit more fun, bit, 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 bit of fun, <laughs> a bit of more crazy fun with. Um, again, I wanted to be fun, so we're going to do late night between 11 to 2, uh, Friday and Saturdays to start with, and then we'll see if we're going to expand that or not. Um, but the way the hall is structured, actually, in Bravery Food Hall, there's a sort of big giant rolling door which is going to come down between myself, Atlas, and the uh, secret garden at the back, um, which cordons us off from the rest of the, the hall. Um, and they will do normally lunch and dinner apart from you I think who's doing some late night stuff as well, um, and then we'll be doing late night food and funness for, you know, three hours late, uh, access through Main Street and through the Secret Garden on that side um, so yeah, just like fun smaller menu, a bit more fun rock and roll, um, we have one of my favourites, which I, I will definitely put this for, for Mr. Shepard who sort of came up with this idea because he did something equally as crazy when he was a student um, which i'm calling the sleepwalker so you've got basically a giant basin so it's a mixing bowl that your mother has you know about the size of your head and a whole box of cereal and a giant thing of milk and i'm going to have you know count chocula and you know, yeah. uh, you know uh lucky charms and all that sort you of stuff so so you're yeah, literally they the can sauce. have a giant bowl and they can have a, a whole box of cereal and a giant thing of milk or you can have a night flight, so I'm going to get those little boxes. You know, when I'm a kid, we got the little multi-boxes, so, so they can just go. They want to do that, too. We can do a little night flight thing there. Um, we're doing mini sort of pancakes on sticks, which is really a really fun little thing uh, where you're literally, like, making sort of pancakes, and you're putting... I've got a savoury one with bacon and cheese and onion, and then I have a Nutella and peanut butter one. And then, basically, you put, like, chopsticks in the middle, and you roll them and so you get this big like roll on a stick so you're eating like a lollipop kind of a thing but it's pancakes and it's candy on one side and then you've got meat and cheese on the other like gooey cheese and it's like fabulous um aris tower we are in the actual aris tower uh, that's the building we're in so i thought i'd do like a fantastic version of like trash can nachos so nachos nachos depending where you're from um sort of a great tower of things with lots of things going on And I have these wonderful little boats, which I'm calling gondolas, which sit on a little candle. So things like this is a few items throughout the uh, menu, which literally, so this is like, has a whole hot cheese sauce boat, which you pour on this towering nacho pile. I mean, you know, I'm excited about it now. (laughs) Um, So I've got lots of like, you know, little gondolas of, you know, hot sauces or gravies or syrups and fun stuff. yeah, we've got goat pops from our um, friends at All We Need Farm, which are amazing popsicles made from goat milk. And they again, they don't taste weird. They're the best thing ever, the best popsicles you've ever had in your life. She does all these crazy varieties. We're doing all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, we'll be doing breakfast also um, and brunch, whereas breakfast will just be us in the secret garden again. the rest of the hall will be just lunch and dinners. So that will be rolling. And then we'll be doing, you know, we'll be doing fun, you know, tacos tacos i would like to call it um <laughs> tacos sounds like the queen uh, we'd be doing you know we're doing some fresh pastries every day We'd be doing you know homemade that they're going to vary all sorts of every, every day and so some fun things for breakfast and um and fun late night things and then brunch will come you know if probably a few weeks after well we'll probably take most of. The, obviously we are pretty much doing our brunch menu because we have that's what a diner is really it's a it's an ever ever brunch menu but then we'd be doing some like um big format stuff i think so we would be doing doing giant stacks of pancakes for like four people and bread and sausages and things and just crazy ass kind of large format stuff for the brunch crowd so it's gonna be beautiful out there just outside the you know the greenhouse in the secret uh garden area it's gonna be beautiful tables and waterfalls and little things and so yeah it's gonna be pretty off the chain
0: Sounds like it's gonna be like elves and and fairies I and leprechauns and so. popping out of the trees and yes. okay all right sounds like a fun time <laughs> <laughs> midsummer night's <nice> dream totally. <laughs> and you recently kind of started a show or at least uh, you have a few episodes on a show called uh, show us your goods yes, I think uh, a show. and so yeah I know that's what I was saying that's right. cheeky name right. is it cheeky or cheeky
1: cheeky
0: as cheeky a cheek. Cheek. as a cheek cheeky. okay yeah. there you go
1: whichever cheek you want that to be is up to you But <laughs> um yes me and my wife carrie we we started with our friends at uh bare hands media group um we did a we did an event up in Brenham, uh home sweet farm a few years ago and our friends at bare hands you know we asked them to come and shoot videos and you know do a little thing and uh, you know, it, it it was so such a beautiful day and such a wonderful experience that the director was like, well, I'm gonna you know go back and find some more things out and do a bit of background on this. And suddenly she comes up with this like 20 minute documentary, which was amazing about one of the farmers specifically, and then the event. And then she done it did it so beautifully. And um, and then we were like, well, hold on, you know, perhaps there's something here. And obviously there's a lot of TV shows, there's a lot of chef things out there, and it's. You know, but we wanted it to be something different, a bit with a bit more integrity. We wanted, didn't want it to be like, you know, too wackadoodle and you know reality TV bullshit. We didn't want that. We wanted to give it, have it a bit soul and depth to it. So basically, you know, we called Show Your Goods. Obviously, a little bit of cheekiness, but it was more about local be good people doing good things is what we sort of build it as. And so we went round to a few farmers and spent a day with them and chatted to them about you know how they got there and what they do and what's their philosophy Sorry, I can't speak philosophy in life and um and you know all their whole story and uh we did uh all we need farms um down in Needville uh Stacy who does the goat pops we did uh Blue Heron farm up in Walla who do does the the other goats cheese and things like that We did Felix Flores, who's actually going to be one of the owners at Cherry Block um, in Bravery Hall, who is a pig farmer. I've known for many years, um, does really amazing things. We did uh, Michael Marchand, who has a farm up in Brenham, does pigs and chickens and produce and things like that. Um, And then we did one on uh, Anthony Kaleo, the uh, pie pizza chef, who used to be the pie pizza chef. So again, you know, people are the been in the business and their stories and and people just doing generally good things for the local community and trying to highlight of like you know what it means when you do buy local what it means when you do make the effort to actually go to a farmer's market and buy something you know and yes it's probably more expensive but there's a reason it's more expensive because you know, these are the animals that are running around in the sunshine, you know, they're not being fed crap, they're not being, being enclosed in terrible conditions, they're not being transported in terrible conditions. These are animals that are, you know, out there being animals, and they have very little stress in their life, and they're fed well, and as I say, they see the sunshine, and you know, these farmers love the animals, and they love what they do. They found, and, and all of them, all the farmers, never started to, as farmers they were all something else i mean felix was like a sommelier and like uh lisa was in some sort of media thing and her husband was like a roadie for a load of famous bands and um stacy i think she was in like finance or something she was studying at school or something but anyway all these people sort of decided for various reasons that this was the right thing to do in not just and obviously it's hard it's really really damn hard every day these people get up, they have to milk the goats every day, no matter what, there's always shenanigans going on, things blowing up and animals eating things and <laughs> bats and pe- animals getting out and things blowing up. Um, and these people do this for the love of it and for the love of uh, 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 what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, and you know, if you can uh, give your children good food, give your children the right food, don't buy them crap. You know, give them some really good good things and it's like yes it does cost a little bit more but they're giving those animals good the right food you know and that is getting into your body it's getting into your children's body so buy that and make some meals out of it and it's always that thing of like the thing about you know the farm stable stuff and the organic stuff and the free range stuff it's just like yes it does cost a little bit more but just get creative with it you can make four meals out of a chicken for four people you know you can easily People have been doing for thousands of years in Asia, in South America, in Europe. Uh, Americans think you know meat is that thing in a foam plastic container in Kroger. You know that's that's what meat is, and fish is in a plastic thing with a diaper underneath it. You know it's 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 terrible, and it's just like make the effort. Yes, yeah, spend a little bit more money and go out and go go meet go meet the farmers. Go talk to people. Don't just talk to the, you know the woman at the checkout stand. You know go talk to farmers to go see what they do live it you know go to their farms they love it when they you go to their farms and see what they do and appreciate them and you know there there's so many very very hard-working people doing really cool stuff in the city and you know i i feel it's sort of my job to uh be the middleman between you know the the, the public and the farmers to like Girl, eat the stuff, it's great and it's fantastic and it's healthy and it's local driving the money back into the community, that's the other thing you know, you buy something from HEB or Kroger or something, where do you think that money's going <laughs> you know um, you know, you buy something from a local farm, it goes back into the community in so many different ways because they're using local things and they're buying local things so it all, you know, just doing things locally as much as you can and buying things, the right things and for yourself and your family, you know, just, just, just do it get out
0: well, no, I, I, if anything, I think that the, uh, that's the right price of food. I think that whenever you, you think about how unhealthy, uh, the other stuff is, then that's, it's not that it's cheaper, um, because it's costing you on the long run, the worst, the, the biggest price that you can pay, which is your health. Um, if you're not healthy, you can't do shit. Um, so, uh, so then what's the deal with, with with that where can people find the show is it is it out yet um, is it something that you know what's uh what's the deal with that
1: um, it is out there's a few little bits on YouTube and stuff but um we got another project we got another development deal for something else just arbitrarily because of the because of showsy goods um, and so we did the festival circuit the first year and you know, we're trying to catch up with the other projects and hopefully go back to show some goods and do some more good stuff. Um, because it is, you know, I think it is important, as I say, you know, and hopefully if it can change a few people's minds, if, if it can change one person's mind to go to our market on a Saturday morning and buy some really good meat or veg or whatever from a local farmer, then my job is done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these guys are at Urban Harvest. They're every Saturday. They're at, you know, Rice University. Um, all these farmers do the rounds and there's like so many more now soya yards there's so many little markets here and there everywhere but go do something and get out there and you know and again it's a social thing get out the door and get off your phone
0: yeah that's one of the things is uh, I also try to get on here is, is because as bartenders, as industry um, we don't, so there could be times whenever you see the sunlight or you're in sunlight for maybe five minutes a day if that long because from the night before and you're getting up late and then you just headed to work or you're running errands and you're in the car and then you're in the building and then it's nighttime and then you go out and it's daytime and you get some, a few hours worth of uh, sleep and back to work. And, uh, it's a, it's a tough life on your, on your body. And so, yeah, I mean, that'd be one of the things, be several things there. If one, you're getting healthy, good food, quality food, you're getting some, uh, fresh air well some days we don't get yeah in houston yeah we don't get every day's not a fresh air but you get what i'm saying uh sunlight you know all these healthy things and like you say is, is, is a communal thing um the less time that we spend in a virtual world and the more time we spend in the real world well then you know this uh that creates a different environment now you're uh you know we're not bickering one another like there is no consequence because now you have to listen to what this person has to say um but i, I like what you're doing i think that is a really really cool uh project is um, um I, I can't remember exactly how you said in, in one of the 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 trailers that i saw but it was like you're sort of you know that's where it begins right these are the people that are there like you say every day the, you know, it's not like you plant the seed and you just forget about it until it's time to harvest. Like, you have to be there. Same thing with the animals. You have to be there all the time. And the chef is sort of like, you, you get the, the 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 end result of all their work. And then the consumer gets the end result of all your work. So there's a big chain there that, again, leads back to communities the way that it should be. Um, But... We'll see how that goes and how far uh, we're able to take it because, yeah, I I wish they would uh, synthetic sweet and sour just disappear off the planet, but I don't think that is going to happen. Um, I would wish that people using, um, uh, what do you call it, Uh, products uh, bought at the store or or in the shelf, and it's like, oh, but it's it's first, it's finest call, uh, simple syrup. Uh, You know, I wish that stuff would just disappear and say don't call it a craft program when you're buying your stuff elsewhere. So there's a there's those battles to be fought. Anyhow, I look forward to uh, being in the food hall with you. I think it's going to be fun and interesting. I also think that Houston is way overdue and myself and probably other people like me are desperate for quality food late night. Um, because there really isn't a whole lot and it's uh, so spread out. I was in Austin uh, last year and I went to I always fuck up the name and it's either Josephine's or Justine's. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, French restaurant. I think it's Justine's. I think it's Justine's. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good food and the and the, the kitchen is open till 1.30 in yeah. the morning. It's awesome. And it was great cocktails also. Um, it was and I was like, Man, how come we don't have this in Houston? We have Mize. Mize is really good food, but Mize has been there for 30 years and we've been, I've been eating Mize for about 20 <laughs> late night. And I love it and I think you should go and, and nothing against Mize, but how about a little uh, variety on the late night front. Uh, after 11 o'clock there ain't shit going on anywhere and, um, and at the very least on the weekends we should be able to eat some truly delicious food uh, late night. So Again, I appreciate you being on the show, and uh, let's see what we can do.
1: All right. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, hope to see everybody down at Bravery Food Hall very soon. Thank yeah. you.
0: He said it, like I said it. Soon. <laughs> That's all I got. Soon, uh, but it's gonna be fun. Is uh, four zero nine Travis, uh, right across from the uh, that uh, caddy corner to Market Square, right there where you all of y'all have stood and taken a picture with the be someone houston or be inspired houston well just come on in once we're open please check out the website openbar.space you can also find me on apple Podcasts, stitcher TuneIn, alexa and overcast remember take care of yourself take care of each other and keep the conversation going